0: The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. If you haven't already hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service, do me a solid. That way you'll know when I publish a new episode. My guest today was born in the U.S., grew up in Oakville, Ontario, and although she went to school to become a civil engineer, her heart led her to sports media. Do I love sports? Do I know
1: sports? Was I hired because of my sports knowledge? Um, yeah, I, I'm passionate about it. I love it. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And like, I hate when people say, do you actually like sports? Like That's the biggest slap biggest in the face someone can ask, um, because they would never ask any of my male counterparts or colleagues. Like, it's just so silly and it's infuriating. Have I gotten better at knowing my sports knowledge? Of course. Am I an analyst? By no means, but I don't think I try to
0: be. Ivanka Osmak is my guest today. She's an anchor for Sportsnet with Rogers, and she's just returned to work after having her second little guy. How are you feeling being back at work? Oh my gosh, it's been chaotic. It's been a huge adjustment. Um, Just because the hours are
1: so opposite of... uh, child schedule I'm going in at about six at night so right around dinner time and close to bedtime and then I'm coming home around 2 in the morning although there was a triple overtime game a few weeks back where I got in at five so I was like <laughs> so close to getting home when they woke up and I just like you know creeped up the stairs and crawled into bed hoping no one would would stir um so yeah it's, it's been a huge adjustment I am very fortunate that um I'm surrounded by wonderful people and help and support, including my husband. And we, we do have a nanny. So, uh, so it takes a village is really, is really true for us. And so, so yeah, so it's, it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work.
0: I've heard a lot of uh, women feeling guilty about, choosing their career over life with their family and having kids uh, and all of that. And I imagine in your role that you had a fair bit of thinking to do uh, about how you wanted to start a family as well. So going back to even before your your first child, what were those early conversations like with your husband?
1: Sarah, we weren't going to have kids. Like that was it. But that was just my choice and he was on the same page as me but yeah when we got married we were no kid zone and looked at all our other friends having having little ones and thought good for you not for us and then something changed um i guess around when i was 35 or so where we just we we started to want kids and I think appreciated our own families. We both have two siblings and are close with our families and have, you know, weekends together or trips together, Sunday dinners. And I think we just thought we want to have that too. So our mindset changed around having children. And then I've never been the type of person that would think you can't do it all. Um, I mean, you might not be able to do it all at the same time. And of course, I didn't know what exactly meant having a child, how much work, how tired you would actually be. But why wouldn't you? Like, I, I have many friends and girlfriends, successful girlfriends in different fields of work that have kids and they make it happen. I'm sure it's stressful and um, tiresome. But yeah, it, that wasn't, it wasn't almost a question of, Choosing a career or choosing a
0: family, it was just you just do it, yeah, you just make it work, yeah. And
1: I mean, as I said earlier, uh, we have we need support, especially with my hours and my husband's hours, who works a normal job or normal hours rather, not a normal job, but hours. Um, we couldn't, yeah, we it would be very difficult for us. I think we'd end up resenting each other if we didn't have someone to help out and be good work is yeah they're they're exhausting and they're a little full-time job in itself so it's um um we needed the help and that's what we got and of course there was guilt bringing someone into the home who's getting close to my son and both my sons now and seeing how much they love her but that's a good thing I'm reminded <laughs> of that that is a very good thing when they love her and she cares about them and um and so I I, I've let go of the guilt and it's just um, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a great career that I love and I get to come home to my you know wonderful family, which sounds all like really Disney, but yeah.
0: <laughs> no, beautiful. How, uh, how was your experience when you went on mat leave? Did you find it hard to turn work off?
1: So my first mat leave, I only took six months and um, it was over the summer. So it was great. It felt like a summer break. It was awesome. Um, Sure, I got paranoid and I had anxiety about being missed behind or FOMO. What am I missing out on? um, For sure. And so that's why I I did cap it at six months because I was worried about taking any longer. And so then I went back and that was fine. And then with my second son, he was born at like peak pandemic, end of March 2020. What the F is going on? You know, we still weren't wearing masks no one you know no everyone can remember what they were doing the end of March it was like it was so crazy and it actually turned out to be in my opinion the best time to have a baby because we isolated I didn't need to see anyone no one needed to see that my condition or the house the state of the house like I didn't need to visit people it was it was fantastic and no one was doing anything I just keeping my baby alive and trying to keep myself sane and so it worked out to be a good time i probably wouldn't have taken a full year if it was non-pandemic but it because the nba and the nhl hadn't started up until um december january i didn't really feel like i was missing a lot so um i know that there was the bubble and everything but yeah no it was it was much easier the second time I think because I know for sure it's going to be our last child um, and also the pandemic. It was just a really unique year and I took advantage of that.
0: So because you've, you know, gone off air, come back on air, gone off air, come back on air. Um, have you noticed that whether it's like uh, your skill set has changed a little bit, um, you know, becoming a mother changes you in so many ways, or, or what about just how you approach uh, your coverage?
1: I think my skill set and preparation has changed since the very beginning, though. I think when I first got into, at least at Sportsnet, I needed to read everything, you know, try and cover everything, and now I, I just pay attention more, and I have, like, I guess more focused on certain things and what I need to know in the time and I can better focus because I don't have as much time as I used to. And now I am really big into podcasts. So if it means I go for a walk or I take my son to the park, you know, I can have one year in a podcast and you can just multitask yeah. a lot easier. I don't know if that's a mom thing or just aging thing. I don't know, but um but I find I'm always constantly listening to some or listening to the radio, you know, the fans in my ear all the time. And then I've, I've got my children. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I don't know if that's an age or, or a mom thing, but I'm just getting better at like
0: focusing in on what I need to know at that moment. If you could help me figure out what I can focus on. <laughs> I feel like I, I hear you so, so hard on that. <laughs> my whole desk is like sticky notes right now. No, I, I hear you. Um, oh my gosh. Well, our house has been
1: turned upside down. Obviously every room has become everything because my husband's working in our dining room. So he's taken it over and it's not closed. You know, why did we do these open concepts? Because now it's like, ah, everyone's everywhere and it's all open. And I'm, as you can see, I'm in my youngest son's bedroom because it looks nice actually. Whatever. (laughs) He's got like, somehow he ended up with the biggest room and he's only a year old. So anyway, so that's why I'm in here. And, um, yeah. And our living room is now our gym and it's like, whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, I do want to talk to you about your podcast, but I thought that we should kind of go back to the beginning uh, here. Cause what, one of the most interesting things about your story is that you had no idea you wanted to end up in sports and broadcasting. You have a civil engineering degree. Did I read that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you always, always competed and, and played lots of sports growing up. Um, but what led you from civil engineering to broadcasting? <laughs> It's a weird one, right? Yeah.
1: Not many of us in this, in this category for sure. It's an exclusive club. I sports has been a huge part of my life from the get go. You know, I've got older sister and brother and they were really good athletes. Um, we were always going to games like biggest memories in my head of growing up were the Jays world series wins and the Leafs used to be making the playoffs a lot more regularly and going deep. And um and then the Raptors, you know, my dad was really involved in the very beginning from the Raptors or even pre, pre-beginning when they started playing. So sports has been a huge impact in my life, um, but I didn't really think you could do anything with it, with it. And I certainly was not a good enough athlete to go far with it at all. Like I maybe made the intramural team at Queens and that was just because, you know, people were being nice. <laughs> so, um, so in high school, I was good at math and science and I just figured let's let's specialize and picked engineering my parents were totally stunned because didn't have know any engineers didn't really know what engineering was and but I applied to Queens I got in and went and um it was it was good it was really hard though like I I struggled I um failed a course in first first semester which was devastating for me as a perfectionist like that was really hard and you know am I making the right decision but I'm you have to stick with it that's kind of you know what our family does and so i graduated after 4 years and when you graduate or getting ready to you think well now i've got to find a job in the field like what else would i do so then i worked for an engineering firm for 2 years i was in civil but all the while knowing i didn't love it but it's just like what are my other options and it when you're in your early 20s it's scary thinking that maybe you could do anything or you know you could you could totally pivot. Like, it's just, it's a frightening time because you have to pick, you're you're told to make decisions so early. Like, where are you going to go to university? What are you going to study? And you're only in your teens. And so it's, it's intimidating. And um, so I worked for a couple of years as an engineer thinking, well, I guess this is it. And then, um, and then I had a friend who was kind of, follow- well, he was following his passion and he was trying to become a basketball coach. And he was really, He was really the one who inspired me to like think outside the box. And okay, if I and he said this to me, if you landed on planet you know Mars or wherever you want to go, and no one knew you because it was all about being judged, what would you do? And I, I said, I think being on television would be really fun. And he's like, Great, let's do it. Figure it out, you know, make it happen. And that's what I did. I. Found a course being offered at Seneca um, in York, and it was a summer program. It was only four months, and I thought this is perfect because if it doesn't work out, I've you know I've never taken any broadcasting courses or anything like that. If it doesn't work out, it's only a summer. It's like just you know traveling or whatever or taking a break, and I'll go back to engineering. And first week I was hooked. I was like, this is it. Like this is what I want to do. And when you find that, it was. It's really, you know, the first time that that's happened to me. Um, And so I did it and my parents weren't too happy, of course, because they.
0: They they help with the university a lot of the time. I don't know, my parents did. And then I also made a decision and completely switched my mind.
1: What did you switch from?
0: I I was at Carleton for journalism and Mm -hmm. I loved writing in high school, but I was a little bit bored. I don't know how else to say it. So I was getting really good grades, but I was like tearing my hair out at what we were learning. I was like, I don't really care about the French Revolution press right now. I uh, decided I wanted to like try. I I had heard like people going and doing streeters and being outside with microphones and stuff. And you could do that down the road, you know, but I was like, I want to do that now. That sounds a lot more interesting now. So applied for um, Ryerson, didn't get into the journalism program worked for a year and ended up at uh, Western and Fanshawe. I did the joint degree diploma.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard great things about that.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Like, I I mean, I ended up working in music, but I wouldn't have known that until I got my hands in and was like, okay, this is exciting. Like that same moment that you had where you you just know, you know. Yeah.
1: And- I'd never been exposed to broadcasting or journalism. Like I had no idea what it could offer. I, I, you know, I would see people on TV. So someone will ask, you know, Oh, well, who are your mentors or who were you looking up to when you're growing up? And it wasn't like that because I didn't even consider that as a career opportunity or a career possibility. Um, but it clicked. It was great. And my parents came on board, you know, eventually. And um, then I was like, this is, this is awesome. Who cares if I'm making no money? Because that was really fun. And that's, I think, when you really know that you enjoy what yes. you're doing. When you're hardly making a cent and you're like, but the experience and this is so fun and maybe yeah. one day it'll lead to something or who knows.
0: Yeah, look at you now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Just making it ring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I use the line, are you kidding? I work in radio all the time. But um,
1: <laughs> I started in radio.
0: Tell me a little bit about that. So I know you did TV in Arizona. Well, yeah. the first radio gig was in Aurelia? Yeah,
1: yeah. At a Jack FM, and I
0: was it was one of those things where I
1: graduated from this program at Seneca, and I was applying everywhere for radio. I wanted television, but listen, I needed a job. So I was applying to everything. and um, and a Jack FM in Aurelia, a woman named heather, she um she was my first boss. And Jack, and they they hired me, and it was just afternoon updates Monday to Friday, um, covering city council meetings in Aurelia or Ormond Like you know, it, it got pretty small town at points. And um, I started that in October, November, and did that all through the winter. And I am not a winter person, so. Um, that was kind of tough, and I I didn't want to commit to the city or to that job wholly. So I was coming back on weekends and like driving back and forth, and I was living in a hotel. Oh um, my god! Which is pretty True. awesome, getting rooms <laughs> or like cleaning every day, but uh, but not ideal. And I was probably spending more than I was making. Um, but yeah, I did that for a few months, and I just kept applying, and I was also volunteering in the city for a television job because I did want to do TV eventually. So yeah, so it was Aurelia, and then I was sending out my tape and I mean, gosh, Sarah, this, these are the days of VHSs So mail was expensive. Like trying, oh you
0: know, sending out these- I mailed a t-shirt last week and I, I'm thinking about how much that costs. And I can't even imagine like you have to pay to apply for a job. Yes.
1: Yes. So, um, so kids today have it easy. Um, and, uh, and I, I just applied all over the US because I'm a dual citizen. So I was, I knew I could get a job down there if they wanted me. And uh, someone in Yuma, Arizona replied and said, um, hey, we're, we have an opening. Um, If you're interested, let me know. And I, you know, immediately responded and said, yes, when can I start? And he said, okay, hold on. Like, I have to let you know that it pays 19,000 a year. And this is in 2005. So, you know, this is, years ago but still nineteen it was not what i was used to um and a bit of a price reduction as you could say and so but i I was like whatever let's do it let's go and so i i drove down with my dad to arizona i hustled down there and we went in the beginning of april and i did the morning show down there for two years and it was it was fantastic because it was one of those small markets where you're doing everything like you are learning everything and it was it's the best Best place to learn it all because, you know, you have to work on your own and you have to know how everything operates and you appreciate everybody's role in making shows happen. Um, But it was, uh, yeah, it was was an interesting two years down in the border.
0: Also at the same time, like it's invaluable what you can learn uh, when, you know, you you can kind of pull from different skill sets. For sure.
1: And I was working on a morning show, so we would have to, I'd wake up at 2 a.m., and be there for 2 30 and there were a lot of mornings because it was a small town where it was mostly kids and people in their early 20s working and so if the producer didn't want to show up at for 5 a.m show he wouldn't show up and he didn't really care if he got you know docked or whatever they weren't going to fire him because it's hard finding people to do that work that are good so the producer wouldn't show up and you're like "What? what how is this happening but that's like that small town market you just have to deal with it and go with the flow but I will say the experience living down in Yuma was wild in the sense that, you know, it's a border town. Illegal immigration is such a huge issue. Like, you know, we hear about it today, but it's been going on for for years and um, growing up in Oakville, I had no idea that it was such an issue. And then um, also it's a big military town and city Um, and again, you know, growing up. Where I did, it's, that's just not as present. So it was, um, it was a real eye-opener to, uh, to a different city and, and, um, and place that I wouldn't have known about otherwise.
0: Working in the US versus working in, in Canada, what are the biggest differences that you sort of observed?
1: Um, what I noticed in the States, at least in the areas I was, and this is back again in 05, 06, 07 years, um, it's more glamorous. There's more uh, attention to like, you know, especially because we were so close to the Phoenix market and and Los Angeles and San Diego. And so maybe it's, you know, that California Hollywood effect but it's just the news anchors are more done up and they could be actors themselves or or maybe they are wanna be actors, you know but that didn't work out. So then they're a news anchor and it just all seemed very like, like I was watching a movie sometimes when I was actually watching the news. And I feel when I come to Canada, um, it's, again, this is, this was years ago. My first, first real difference noticing was that we're just more, more polite. I don't remember. Just like, maybe that's not the right word, but more like raw or real. And, you know, the clothes or the looks, the makeup, the hair, it's just not as big of a deal. And it's just more, um,
0: more organic. You know, it makes sense because I I think it was maybe like a year or two ago, I was sort of researching what type of like uh, voiceover opportunities there might be. And I asked someone like, you know, what's, what's the best way to look at this or where's the best place to go to go. And like, the first thing that comes up is like, Oh, do you have an agent? And I was like, no. Oh yeah. No, everybody has an
1: agent down there. Like they want to, I was working in Yuma and some agent approached me. I'm thinking, how much are you going to take my nineteen thousand dollars? Like, are you kidding me? What do you like? What do you mean? Um, yeah, and it's also not only um, for voice work. Funny you bring that up, but it's your voice has to like. I feel like there were so many fake voices or um, intonations like, or expressions coming from from you know the anchors. Where I was like, you really don't talk like that, do you? And I remember when I got to Sportsnet, I put on that voice too because I'm like, well, I should probably sound more than I am. And my friends would say to me in the beginning, why do you talk like that? You sound really funny when you're on air and you don't sound like yourself. And it clicked for me. I was like, I should probably just talk how I normally talk because that's way easier than putting on this voice. But I, I feel like there's a, there's an anchor voice put on. It's like totally Ron Burgundy and, you know, yeah, Ron. yeah,
0: yeah. Another lesson learned from, from Arizona basically. Right. Yes. Yes. So what, what about being a woman in sports? Um, you know, you hear all, all the women who uh, work in sports have a story or two to tell about uh, what they've had to deal with. And there are so many different angles that we could approach this from. Did you find it easy to um, to make your way into sports as a woman?
1: I think because I was going into Sportsnet, having not worked into sport in sports, because I was coming from the news um, when I was doing the morning show in Arizona. So I think it was just a mixture of I was new to the station, viewers didn't know who I was, you know, my colleagues didn't really have a lot of background on me. And so um, I was really green, like, I only had two years of experience under my belt, I was really green. And, you know, thankfully, Sportsnet stuck with me and gave me a chance stuck with me. Because, yeah, I would make mistakes on names. And, um, and I don't know, well, I know I got judged harshly on it because I was a female, but I was also new. So I hadn't gained the trust of a lot of viewers, if that makes sense. So I think it was a combination of things in the beginning, for sure. You know, I'm sure you've heard this before, that if a woman says the wrong name of a player and a guy says the wrong name, you know, benefit of the doubt goes to the guy. I think that's changed. I think that's changed, at least for me, because I've been there so long now. So it's like, okay, she had a slip of the tongue. It happens. Um, I, I get marbles in my mouth all the time. so um, so I think it's a benefit of the doubt is given after time and you just gain that relationship with the viewers. Um, yeah, like is there I, I've only been a woman in sports so I don't know what it's like on the other side you know that's that's I guess the easiest out I could get from that answer or from that question. Um, do I love sports? Do I know sports? Was I hired because of my sports knowledge? I'm, um, Yeah. I, I'm passionate about it. I love it. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And my, I, I hate when people say, do you actually like sports? Like that's the biggest, biggest slap in the face someone can ask. Um, because they would never ask any of my male counterparts or colleagues. Like it's just so silly and it's infuriating, And, um, um, have I gotten better at knowing my sports knowledge? Of course. Am I an analyst by no means, but I don't think I try to be. So I'm going in a, a long way of answering this, but, um, there have been, sure, there have been sexism examples and there have been tough times and there have been times when I've cried because come home with, you know, crying because it's just been tough or no one understands my point of view or it's hard to get it across. Um, but I, I think after time, because I've been there so long, I've, I've also gained a voice and my voice has gotten louder and more confident. So, so it was a combination of me just being so young and not really knowing if I could speak up at the beginning.
0: Sort of getting more comfortable in your, in your own skin.
1: Yeah. Like it took me, as I said, I was really green when I came and um, thankfully um, my bosses at the time, we we did a lot of different things. Like they, they sent us all to an improv class, which was really great and good for me. It was a great learning experience. They do that and, in radio too, for
0: sure. It's so helpful.
1: Oh my gosh. I had no idea. It was fun. It was, there were eight of us or so, you know, anchors from Sportsnet and we all did this, whatever along it was four week, five week training session. And it was fun. And it, you know, got me like just getting it out of my head because i 've always been so, and this is just me as a person, but I just want to be perfect i don 't want to make a mistake, and i don 't want anyone to be upset with me I, you know I, I want to be right in the middle of neutral, and that 's just not possible like i can 't please everyone yeah, yeah there's always going to be someone upset, and so I think i 've just got to get it in my head and just speak how I actually feel in my opinion and I was so afraid to do that and have a strong opinion or be wrong about it. And then perhaps be judged because I was a woman or because, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And so for so long, I think I held my opinion back. And so improv was good for that. And just getting more comfortable on the desk and, you know, reactions more. Yeah. Yeah. The reaction. So improv was great. And then we had a coach come in a talent coach. And again, that was like, I felt I took huge strides with that. And then my co-anchor Ken Reed came and we just, it was the first real connection I had with a partner and we just clicked and he's, you know, one of my best friends. And it was just easy because what we talk about off the screen was the exact same thing we talk about (laughs) on the screen. And sometimes you're like, Ooh, maybe we shouldn't have said that, but, or I shouldn't have danced on air like I did last night. uh, But you know, but then it happens and you're like, that was great. This is, this is fun. You know? So, um, so improv and, and having a talent coach were So good for me and and the addition
0: of Ken. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media Podcast, and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the focus fuel, instant mushroom coffee from organic traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with Lion's Mane Mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually, better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. Speak to me about a moment where you knew that you could finally let those things that used to bother you roll off your shoulder. Oh, man. That it didn't bother you the same way it used to. I mean,
1: I'd be lying if I said it it doesn't bother me at all, um, which is why I'm still hesitant to sometimes go on radio because I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be judged. But that's that's so silly um, because I do know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think it got it it did get easier. It was probably after my first son was born and I, I just gained a different type of confidence. Like I'm a mom and I can I can do whatever I want. Like this is, I, I just, I don't know what that, what it happened, but it was just this like confidence that came from having a son. I mean, like, you know, I'm, why should I care what other people think when I only really, you know, should be caring about my own family and my friends. So that's when things started to turn and I gained a, um, more confidence in that, but I'd be totally lying if I don't check Twitter and my heart sinks a little sometimes feeling like, Oh God, did I say something or someone going to say something, you know, something like that, which is, which is silly because I don't know if a lot of people get that and I I need to get over it at some point.
0: Oh, I think we all have that. I definitely, every time, every time I post something, I'm like, here we go. It's (laughs) out in the world. (laughs) But, But do you have someone who reminds you who cares? Yes. Yes. And that's, that's what's so important. Do you and Ken always get, The same feedback or is the feedback different between the two of you?
1: Feedback from the viewers, we get
0: different because they'll be, you know, like I'm on, I'm on
1: Instagram and I'm posting pictures of my outfit and Ken's not doing that. He's posting pictures of hockey cards. So, um, so we'll get, we'll definitely get different feedback in that sense. And, you know, I get comments that are, that are grotesque and rude and um, awful, and then, but sometimes he'll get some too, but it's just targeted different. I feel like being so sheltered because I am in the studio and I'm not on the road. I'm not in the dressing rooms um, when that used to be normal. Um, I'm not with the players all the time or with the public. Um, I'm so sheltered in the studio, which is good and bad or not bad, but it's like, it has its advantages for sure, because it's a controlled room and I have my hours and, um, you know, a lineup and, you know, you know, what's coming next more
0: or less, um, flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm not down at the dome. I mean, I do, I do Rogers cup tennis once a year. That's my kind of like get away from Ken get out of jail, which is amazing. And, um, uh, and it's really fun living that reporter life because it's so different and it's, it's really tough and, you know, long days and, and you're sitting there and it's, you know, you think about your um, um, court side, watching the best female tennis players in the world. Like tennis is my favorite sport. And I'm watching these ladies just annihilate each other or, or, you know, carve each other up with their serves and have wicked, wicked, um, um, rallies and, but it's still like tiring watching all this all day long and then talking to them. So, um, so that for me, that's always been getting out of my comfort zone when I have to do something different other than just sitting at the desk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here. We have a lot of like controlled produced programs and then every once in a while there's something live. And yeah.
1: Which keeps you on your game.
0: I I used to be live all the time. So I, I often like miss it. So when I came to Sirius XM, I was giving up that piece to not be live Mm -hmm. all the time, which I, I definitely had some reservations about. Yeah,
1: yeah. for sure. And I mean, it's, I, I get scared though. Like every night, tonight
0: I'm I'm scared because we'll be coming
1: out of the you know the hockey game, and I'm scared that we're going live. But then there's that those butterflies. But it's it's a different live. I think it's for me. It's also when I do the reporting or when I get out in the <laughs> among the public, you know, in in the general public, seeing people like their reaction and seeing their eyes and how they're watching you and they can hear you. Like right then, um, that's a difference for me. That's why public speaking is all, always a little frightening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. So with, with what you came out of Arizona with, you know, this idea of all the glam and like being all done up as like a news reporter, how much did that play into, uh, you know, the, the sports anchor that you've become at Sportsnet? You know, how often do you like even think about the outfit and what you're wearing and how much that matters?
1: Uh, Well, returning from mat leave after a pandemic, I definitely thought about the outfits and the makeup a lot and getting, getting to wear (laughs) heels and doing my hair because it had been a while since I was out of sweats and, you know, comfy clothes. So, um, you know what, it's, it's, it's part of the package. Like I'm sure we all have, we all have opinions of when we watch TV and what, what the person is wearing or how their hair is, um girl or a guy. And if it's too distracting, then that's not a good thing. And, um, sometimes I get compliments on my outfits and sometimes I definitely don't. And, um, but it's part, it's part of the job, even though I'm covering sports, you know, I had someone comment on my Instagram, like, why are you posting so much fashion? That's not what you do. It's like, just because I'm in sports doesn't mean I can't like fashion or enjoy wearing clothes or, you know, well, I enjoy wearing clothes, but enjoy wearing <laughs> fashionable clothes, you know, trendy yeah. things like just because you're in one thing doesn't mean you can't enjoy others. So, um, so yeah, I, I, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get my hair done. It's I feel like it's a rat's nest and <laughs> trying to get through it every day and survive. And I will tell you that absence does not make the heart grow fonder for heels. Even after going a year without them, they are still painful putting them on. Um, but but yeah, I enjoy getting back to all that because be, because I like it, right? And it also
0: makes you feel good and confident when you're on air, I would imagine too.
1: Totally. Like we went through we went through a period where you know the I had different makeup artists or I, my hair wasn't working for me, and it just affects you and your presentation because if you're thinking about it, it sounds silly, but if you're thinking about you know oh I really don't feel comfortable with my hair or it's falling or I don't look good. And this outfit is like, I keep fidgeting with it or whatever, then that's going to be take away from your show and your performance and other, other parts. So um, yeah, I always want to look my best and look good because it's, it's part of the package.
0: Yeah. So tell me about one of your proudest moments on air. Oh, uh,
1: it would definitely be um, covering the Rogers cup um I've been doing this for a few years now and I think just interviewing the players you know I got to interview Bianca Andreescu when she won the Rogers Cup back in 2019 and being with her all week and you know starting with her on the Friday Saturday and warm-ups and and she had been coming off the Indian Wells win but then an injury and so being with her and then every day there was a win and like you know keep riding it. And, and you, you build a relationship with this person, right? Because you're, you're with them every day and on court with them. And so it didn't, the final, I don't know if if you remember, but she, um, Serena Williams uh, withdrew. Yes. Yes. In really early on, like I think second or third game. And so it was stunning. Um, But yeah, that was, that was probably one of my proudest moments is just being up close and personal with her all week and, and, Getting to see how she prepared and how she moved through the week. You know, she overcame a lot of challenges through the week and uh and then seeing her win was really special and the crowd growing and remarkable
0: awesome. display of female perseverance too. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why I love covering covering them that tournament. It's just like these women, these athletes are so phenomenal and their physical strength, mental strength, like they're just they're wicked. And it's, it's, I would love to cover more women's sports because, um, because it's fantastic and I admire them.
0: I did a panel with MLSE Mm -hmm. and um, I had uh, JC from the gist on the panel. A lot of like the e-blast that went out that week was all around the data coming out about how much people love watching women's sports. How much do you think about that stuff behind the scenes?
1: Uh, We can do better. I think we can do better. Um, I think, We all can, though, you know, Um, it's kind of, you know, I hear I hear the counter argument is, well, no one's watching or there aren't a lot of the ratings aren't good for female sports. So we shouldn't air it. Well, they're not going to get good if you don't air it. So, you know, it's a chicken or egg like you have to start showing it. Um, I think Sportsnet's done a great job of partnering with um, the women's hockey. They just had the tournament in Calgary. Uh, that was fantastic to watch really exciting. And, um, you know, seeing the women's basketball team prepping right now for the Olympics, like, and the WNBA is it's exciting every night, like something's happening. Um, so it, it's getting better, but it, it has a ways to go because I had a girlfriend say to me, and it, this is when it really, uh, you know, stuck with me is she said, my two young girls, you know, will watch TV, we'll watch sports net. And, they don't see anyone like them. And that's what it all is. When you don't see anyone like you to emulate or look up to, you know, that's a problem. And so, um, so I think we, we need to have more female sports so that these young girls and young women are able to say like, yeah, I want to do that when I'm older. Like, why can't I do that? Um, I, I look at my niece and she's a wicked lacrosse player and, you know, 11 years old and I don't know who she would look up to, Mm -hmm. watching right and so I'm thinking about her when when I go in there and say hey we should we should put this highlight in or let's let's get more stories because for so long it seemed like it was only tennis women's tennis that we were really focusing on and even then it was like one Serena Williams for Sharapova but now it's like no there's so many
0: great female athletes out there that we should be highlighting for sure what about a moment on air that didn't go as planned Oh gosh, every night, Sarah. Are you kidding me? Do you have a <laughs> pick gotta... and I do? Holy cow. No, you have to pick one. You have to pick oh one. gosh.
1: Um... <laughs> well, I've never sworn an air because I'm, I'm not a, I i don't swear in my personal life. I kind of cut that habit, cold turkey many years ago, so I didn't do that. Uh, what has happened recently? I mean, I was even thinking last night, I, cu- I just, I couldn't, I couldn't talk. We came out of a clip Out of the um, game and I I couldn't talk. And thankfully I have Ken who is able to like see if he can see me, just wheels are spinning really hard. Like, where am I going with this? He's able to, you know, pick up and then I'm like recover and we go. Um I I'm a huge believer in self-deprecating humor. And if I forget something or if I say something wrong, then just own it and laugh at yourself and move on. So yeah.
0: how many times have you and Ken had to have like a, a discussion, you know, behind the scenes about something not going well?
1: I mean, I would say 95% of the time we're on the same page when it comes to, um, our, with our producer or how we think things should look. Um, neither of us are afraid to speak up. He certainly is not. So, um, so we're fortunate that we're on the same page a lot of the times. Um, we, we get into tips. There was something there was something the other week and I had just been back for two weeks from Matt leave. And I'm like, seriously, we're already at each other's throat and bickering like an old married couple, which we're not because some people think we are married. We are not at all. <laughs> um, both happily married to others. I think we I mean, we were raised. He, he's from Nova Scotia. I'm from Oakville. So I think sometimes we just have different upbringings and different um styles of how you know our lifestyle and so so i think sometimes we can butt heads like that and we are like brother and sister where we just don't see it i don't have a specific example of what we thought about but it happens and it's at the point where our producer just puts us on mute and does not want to listen to us and we just need space it's it's nice because we know each other enough well well enough now that i'll
0: just leave and get away from him brb taking a moment Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: for sure. So how how do you um how do you deal with, you know, any moments where you do have to like take a minute for yourself and reset and, you know, something's been a little difficult to handle being on all the time. Literally, like even, you know, I think back to before the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, there's the Rogers Sports Celebrity Dinners and all these things and, you know, you guys ha- you guys are very involved and you're always on. Um and sometimes it's hard to keep the smile and face on.
1: Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's why I, I, you know, I talked about my fake voice when I first started at Sportsnet. I think that's why I've tried to really just be me a lot of the time so that I don't have to put anything on that I don't want to. You know, I don't actually, not to make you feel really special, but um, I don't do a lot of podcasts because my time, you know, with the boys, with work, with You know, doing the things I gotta do to prep for work are just the time is it shrinks in my day and I just I don't have time for a lot of extra stuff. So um I've had to say no to things and I didn't used to before. So now I'm a bit choosier of what I'm what I'm doing, um, where I'm going, what I'm going out to. I'm not my husband might argue with me about this or disagree, but I'm not a huge social person. So yeah, I feel like I do have to put things on and, you know, public speaking I mentioned is a big fear of mine. So there's definitely a like, okay, you know, here we go. We're going to do this. And and you have to act a little bit and you have to put it on. Um, but you know what the trade-off is so great and, and it's, it's, it's fine. It's like, there, I don't say there are worse things I could be doing, but like yeah, if, if that's if that's what I have to do is just is be a little extra and and act like um you know I'm brave and I'm competent and smiling and strong then, then that's the worst person.
0: thing ever. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I am I am just really picky about what I do now because I don't have time for everything.
0: Yeah, you have that luxury too at this stage in your career that you know you you want to make sure that you're doing things that help amplify yeah. what you believe in too. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So I really wanted to talk to you about your podcast and launching your podcast.
1: Um, yeah. Like, so before we wrap I, up, I am a podcast junkie. Uh, you know, I've been listening for years, all sorts of genre. I well, I love my Real Housewives. Like huge super fan. So every week <laughs> there's like a two hour episode deep dive into the. Anyways, I won't even get into that. <laughs> but I love my podcast, like all of it. And so it was a few years ago where I just thought. Why, why aren't I doing this? I mean, today everyone seems has one, but um, I thought, why aren't I doing this? I want to talk about moms because I don't want to be just a sports person. Um, I've got so many other hats that I wear, and so what's what's a good way to kind of open that up to an audience? And um, and so I reached out to Melanie Yang, who works at Breakfast Television, and I know she's a mom her son is a year older than my eldest. And so I just said, Hey, do you want to do this? And we pitched it and it didn't really go anywhere at Rogers. And then they came back to us and said, okay, let's go, let's give it a a try. And so um, we called it moms in the middle because she works in the very early hours of the morning. I work very early hours at night. And so we meet in the middle and um, we just talk about mom issues. And it was also selfishly a great way for me to get advice being a mom and
0: like what do i do and so brilliant
1: yeah i was like why don't i just talk to the experts and we can you know disguise it as a podcast but really (laughs) i'm just like asking personal questions like yeah my friend is having problems with you know her relationship with her husband no um so so it's just been it's been good we've been on hiatus for a while so i'm hoping Mm -hmm. we get things back and running in the fall um but i really enjoy it because like it's just a different medium. you can speak freer, and it's a different subject than sports, so I'm not limited to speaking about the game or other players' stats. It's like what's happening in my life, and what do I want to know about my kids or what they're going through, or what the heck I'm going through like. Jesus, I turned. Sorry, now I'm going off on a tangent. Go for it. And lots of things are happening here, you know. Like (laughs) it's a crazy time for a woman, so um, I have lots of questions. It's it's been working out as as you probably know. Like it does work out on Zoom, and it's much easier to schedule people. It's easier to do that. But I do miss the interaction of like seeing people face to face and being in the same room and being able to. Interact off and, and jive off other people, you know, and um, reading body language. So I miss that, but uh, hopefully we'll come we'll back, back there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But I love podcasting.
0: So a couple of things to end off here. Greatest piece of advice that you've ever received.
1: Um, so this would be from the talent coach, and um, he would say like when I was write when I write my material for the shows, so he would be like, pretend. Pick a person, pretend you're writing for them, like you're picking up the phone. And, and I always chose my great aunt Dolly. She was like about 100 years old. And I would, you know, be writing for great aunt Dolly. And what would I say? And so it's like a conversation. So instead of just speaking out into the wild, um, I, would, I would pick a person, someone who, you know, wasn't a sports fanatic, but knew and enjoyed watching sports. Um, and that would keep me true to myself and being, being myself because it was like talking to someone I knew, a relative or a friend. So I think if you, if you are yourself and the best way to do that is pretend you're talking to someone else and having a conversation, um, forget, forget that there's a camera there or a lens and, you know, there's a big separation between you and the viewer and just, just act like you're being um, friends with someone, I think is, is some of the greatest advice I've gotten.
0: What about a piece of advice that you would share with like younger you when you were 25, just getting into sports?
1: Oh man. Um, be myself. It's taken me a long time to just be myself and be confident in my own skin. Um, I don't have to know everything. I think I have to remind myself of that. I don't need to know everything because that doesn't stop a lot of other people from, you know, going on and preaching about a topic, but, uh, so it's okay. It's okay for some people to not agree with your opinion. And I think I'm still getting over that, but, but yeah, be myself.
0: Okay. And in the, in the spirit of this podcast, uh, I want you to tell me a few other women that you think have a story that should be told here. Okay. Um, Tessa Banham who
1: uh works at tsn um mostly hockey because she is a former hockey player she's a mom and she's a badass golfer and just a really cool cool person she's um yeah she's she's a wonderful person and uh one of my colleagues danielle michaud who covers the raptors uh she's been kicking butt and um really enjoy hanging out with her and watching her work. And then Megan Cheka, who I haven't met, but I feel like in this weird social media world, we we have a lot of, plus she's a Ukrainian. So I feel we have a kindred spirit. Um, But she is really shaking things up with her analytics and uh, when it comes to hockey and sports. And so I think she's like, she's just someone who I'm really curious and interested about what she does and I find it fascinating and she's, uh, yeah, she's beautiful, smart and, and, um, and, and carving her own path. And it's, it's really awesome to see things like that.
0: She was just on that panel. I told you about, oh, no way. The yeah, yeah. And I, oh. I, I thought that during the panel, I was like, wow. she she's a little firecracker i want to have her on for sure sure yeah 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 no like i said i've
1: never met her but we've uh we've interacted on social media and she seems like a really cool person and yeah you know um all about uh giving props to other
0: ladies yeah well, thank you so much for fitting this into your crazy, busy uh, schedule. I am honored that you chose to come <laughs> on my podcast.
1: <laughs> this is what I wanted to do. So it's like, yeah, this sounds cool. So and I listened to I definitely listened to, um, to the ones that you have done in the past. And I thought, OK, let's do
0: it. You can find out more about Ivanka by following the links in this episode's show notes. Make sure you check out her podcast, Moms in the Middle, which I'll link you to as well. And once again, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service to keep up with new episodes with fabulous women in media. If you've got a lead, by the way, someone you think would be fascinating to hear more about, you can drop me a line anytime on social media at womeninmediapod or womeninmediapod at gmail.com. You can email me too. Thank you so much for listening. Debbie Travis and I'm Tommy Smith and this is Trust me, I'm a decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts,
1: Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. where's this luck.
0: This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.